0: you know i just feel so blessed um so blessed that our church loves us enough to to give us some time off to just kind of you know come together as a family and with our children and and uh you know that you trust us enough to to do that we thank you for that too And uh, God is, he's been working and he's given me a few words um, during this little break. I I don't think I've ever in 20 years of ministry gone six weeks without preaching. I think it's been about six weeks. And um, though I've been busy at home with some different things with our family, the Lord has been speaking and, and uh, he's given me a couple words. And so uh, my husband was like, okay, Joy, what are you going to, what are you going to share? And I told him two different ones. And the one, the one is probably a little deeper and a little better. I would think, but but God didn't want me to share that one yet. He's given me another one that's a little bit more simple, but I believe profound. And so I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today. Sometimes sometimes we make things more complicated than they are and then we miss what's like in front of our face. You know what I mean? And so I think the Lord wants to bring a truth that's really in front of our face when we read the word that we sometimes miss because we want to make things a little bit more than they are. And so I'm going to just pray again and ask the Lord to really speak to us through his word today. Okay. So, Father God, I just thank you that as we transition into hearing your word God that it would that your word your scripture says your word is is alive and is active it's sharper than a double edged sword that it penetrates our hearts and our minds and our souls and it divides the flesh part from the spirit man and God today I pray that you would do that Lord God that you would bring conviction Lord Jesus and that you would also bring hope God, because your sword is a double-edged sword. It does bring healing, Lord Jesus. It's a surgical sword, Lord Jesus. It brings healing to the parts that need healing. But God, sometimes you have to go in and you have to remove things that shouldn't be there. And so, God, today I pray that you would give us the mind of Christ, that we would understand your word, that we would apply your word to our life, and that we would walk out your word in truth and in grace. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So the message today is is titled The Secret of Knowing God. And we've been in a sermon series, Ohio for Jesus. And Ohio for Jesus is all about um, making new disciples and and being obedient to God and, and sending missionaries. And, you know, as a church, we love missionaries and and pl- planting churches. And this is our second church plant. And we know that God has called us to do these things, to see people baptize, to see people grow. But I believe that sometimes we get so focused on all the things that need to be done that we forget that it comes back to do you really know God? You know, do you really know Him? Sometimes we can know all about somebody. You know, uh, it's awesome seeing seeing my kids grow up, and my youngest, he's ten and and he has a dream that he's going to be in the NBA. And he has some Jordans that are a little bit too small for him, but he refuses to put them up just yet because he says they're the great, the, 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 they give him the perfect height and they have the, the, you know, they're Jordans. And so he can shoot just right with it when he practices. And uh, he was telling me, and he, he goes back and he's watching all these old school videos, old school for him, but it's like bringing back childhood for me. And he's like, Larry Legend. I'm like, you know about Larry Bird? He's like, Larry Legend. Yes, I do. Grandpa used to dream to be him, he told me. <laughs> and he's and he's going back and he's seen all the and he's Michael Jordan. I said, Yeah, I know about Michael Jordan. I actually had all those shoes in high school. I should have saved them because they're worth a lot of money now. Ugh. If I only, if I was a little bit more of a hoarder, you know, um, (laughs) and, and he's telling me all these things and, and, he's telling me all these facts about Michael Jordan and him being the greatest player ever still, you know, and then he's telling me about some of the new players and Steph Curry and he's telling me all these facts. And it's like, he really, he's, he's been watching all these YouTube videos and it's like, he really feels like he knows them. Right. But he knows about them. He doesn't really know them. He can't like pick up his phone and call Steph Curry. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't really know him. And sometimes as Christians, you know, especially those who have had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and growing up with Christian parents and growing up within the church, we can know all these facts about God, but yet not really know him. Not really know how to talk to him, walk with him. Not really know how to just be with him. And I believe the Lord is bringing us back to a place of really knowing him. And there's a lot of things that entail in knowing God. And, and if, if I would have to ask you to you know, participate with me today and make some guesses of what you think the secret maybe is of knowing God, what are some things that you think is probably needed in order to know God? Go ahead. You just say it out loud. What do you think? The Bible. I heard too. Knowing his word, the Bible. What else? Did I heard you say Spending time with him and his presence. Yes. Any, anything else? Listening, right? Uh, Josh and I, when we first got married, uh, different personality types. And so um, he, he would pray. And uh, we had this little efficiency apartment. And it was probably the size of just like this little part of the sanctuary in here, um, with everything, like maybe not even that big, honestly. <laughs> and it had our bedroom and the kitchen and the bathroom and you can see everything from like the couch, literally everything. And so he would lay out and pray and he's a big man, six foot three. And I would have to step over him. And I would used to think like, what are you doing? Are you taking a nap? <laughs> like what did he, cause he was so quiet. He was like, no, I'm listening. But see, when I prayed, it was like in the name of Jesus. And, and I mean, I was loud when I prayed. That's how I prayed. I got my steps in And I thought that's how you prayed, and that's the only way you pray is, like, when you're just, like, you know, saying it all, and the louder, the better. I mean, that's just kind of how I felt, you know, with like, more passion. And God does give us different personalities and uses them, and I am a pretty passionate person, and God does hear those prayers. But he taught me through my husband that, you know, sometimes some of the best prayers are when you're quiet before the Lord. Right. And so, okay. Praying. So we got, we got, someone said, you know, being in his presence. And we said, praying uh, the word, the Bible and any other guesses and what you think might be the secret of knowing God. Oh, Jonah, see you was stretching. I thought you was going to an- answer out the mouth of babes. Come on, let's hear. What do you think a secret of knowing God is? Just knowing that you don't know. I mean, come on. <laughs> that is pretty profound if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Being open and vulnerable. Oh, my goodness. So true. So true. So true. We need all these things. So we got, we got a lot of things out here, and those are all important in knowing God. But there's a part of the Bible that, especially as American Christians, that we like to gloss over and not think about, and yet it's all throughout the Bible. I'm talking from Genesis to revelation. I'm talking all throughout the good news, all throughout the gospel. There's a part of knowing God that we don't like to talk about and it's suffering. Suffering really pastor your first week back and you want to talk about suffering. No, I wanted the other one with the cool acronym, but God said this one. (laughs) So here we are suffering. Suffering. You know, and I believe that the Lord is deepening the American church, Amen. right? Of have a missionary in the house. Because when we go to other countries, they understand that suffering is part of the gospel. They understand that suffering is, that is part of our faith. But as Americans, we have been so sheltered. We used to say so blessed because we used to call, call our blessings our monetary provisions. But when we look at the Beatitudes, Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Where is the beatitude that says blessed are those who live in the suburbs, have a white picket fence and are rich. Right. Jesus says many are in this world. You will have many troubles, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And so today we're going to talk about the secret of suffering. See all great people in the God are all great people of God in the Bible. They understood suffering. I mean, Abraham. Look, look, when God gave him a promise, how long he had to wait in the suffering and trying to do it all on his own, right? And yet that promise of, of his baby Isaac, it was even deeper than Isaac, that ram in the, in the bush. It showed Jesus. We see Jesus through all of this, right? And we see Job and his sufferings. And, man, some of the most godly people I know, have, they just had one trial after another trial after another trial. And yet they're just so in tune with God. It's like, man, but yet they're suffering, and yet they're holy, it's amazing. King David. We wouldn't have the book of Psalms without King David. You know, when I was first a Christian, first a believer, when I was a young adult and, and really getting on fire, like everybody was like, oh, the book of Psalms. And I was like, yeah. But I mean, I really liked like the, you know, the New Testament, the epistles and, and James when, when, you know, people were, you know, when James was kind of telling us about ourselves, that was my style. And I'm like, I didn't really get the book of Psalms. But the older I've got, the more I've gone through, I'm like, oh, my goodness, the book of Psalms. Amen. It just there's, it just hits different, right? Jeremiah, the prophets, Moses, and, and Jesus on the cross. I mean, we wouldn't even have the good news if it wasn't for suffering. The disciples and Paul all showed us how to suffer well, and so today. Um, there's so many different directions that can go with this, but I'm going to try to narrow it down a little bit. And we're going to just kind of focus on Paul and what he learned about suffering and how we can relate it to ourselves. See, Paul had a dream, um, to go and and preach the gospel. He was the first missionary and, and and he had three different missionary journeys in the Bible. and, And yet his ultimate goal where he really wanted to go was Rome. He wanted to go to Rome, which was basically like the capital of the world known world at the time. And he wanted to preach the gospel there. And he finally got there, and we see it in Acts 28. I'm just going to read one scripture here. It says, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. And, and we see that Paul made it to Rome to preach the gospel, but not in the way that he probably thought. He might not have realized that, that you know, his road to Rome would be paved with suffering, shipwrecks, beatings, persecution, rejection, abandonment of his closest friends. He probably didn't realize that is how he was going to get to Rome in chains. And yet that was the will of God for his life. And he learned the secret of knowing God through his sufferings. And it taught him how to love God more and even how to love God's people more and even how to love God's enemies more. Whew. Suffering is something so hard to understand. Have you ever asked, why do good people, why do good people have bad things happen to them? Right? It's a question people have been asking forever. Why do good people have bad things happen to them? And when I think about that question, I think a couple of things. Well, one, who's to say really anyone is a good person, right? I mean, the Bible says there's not one righteous that all of us have sinned and that our righteousness is of filthy rags to the Lord. So how, who are we to say anyone's good? Oh, but they're a good person. You know, in a very small way, this week we um, lost our puppy, and it was very sad and very tragic for us. Um, wasn't, he wasn't even um, four years old, and, and my kids were asking some deep questions. You know, it was the first time we're – you know, we're blessed to have our parents, and my grandparents lived a really long life, and it was the first time, really, that they've had someone close to them, you know, pass away in front of, you know, really in front of our eyes. And, and so they were asking some deep questions, and the youngest was asking some really deep questions, you know. Went, Why? Why would this happen? And that's, you know, that's small compared to some of the sufferings that some of us have had. Some of us have endured Terrible divorces that feel like death. Some of us have endured the death of our parents or children. Or maybe you're experiencing a wayward child and they're still alive. They haven't died, but you feel like it's death because they're not serving God. And you know where that leads. Some of us have endured sufferings in our body, and aches and pains, and we put on a smile and and we try our best, but we are going through. It. But some of us have lost our business, lost our finances, have went bankrupt. Some of us have really endured hardships and suffering, and we sometimes think, but why, why God, why do good people go through such hard times, friends? We've had for decades. In our country, bad theology that has messed us up with our sufferings. We've had back in the 80s and 90s, the prosperity gospel that said, name it, claim it, it's yours. If you have enough faith, you will be healed. You'll never go through anything hard. And then when we're praying and we're believing and we're having faith, and then someone that we love still passes away, we think it's our fault. We didn't have enough faith. We weren't, We, we, we you know, and we blame ourselves. And and there was error in that th- theology the blabbit grabbit theology and we think oh we've done so much better in the early 2000s with our seeker movements and our attractional models that we've made and we try to m- make all the focus of Jesus on Sunday mornings and having a crowd and having everything attractive and the smoke and the lights and the a focus so much on leadership that we forget servanthood and that philosophy and that theology, if you will, is, is if you work hard enough and and you have the excellence in everything that you do, well, then you're going to get everything you deserve. You're going to, you're going to be prosperous and wealthy and influential. I mean, all of the young people, you ask them what they want to be now influencer. (laughs) And we miss it because in both of those In the last few decades of America and both of those theologies that have been preached, we have missed the gospel of suffering and the doctrine of suffering. And we've told Americans come to Jesus and everything is going to be easy and everything is going to be smooth. And we're going to slide down rainbows and skip through lily patches (laughs) and be like the Care Bears, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And then 2020 hit. <laughs> and we weren't prepared because we weren't taught the doctrine of suffering That our faith is not just based on our works, and it's not even just based on our faith, but it is based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that He suffered and died for you and for myself. for He suffered and died. And he went through pain and he went through hardship. And even before he went to the cross, even in the garden, he was suffering as he was praying and crying out that he, he was in such agony that his sweat became blood. And yet we somehow miss this in our teachings of what it means like to be a Christian. We forgot that there is purpose in our pain and God, well, Paul told Paul about that purpose. As a matter of fact, Paul had it in his mind. You know, he was very zealous and very passionate and I can relate. He was like, I'm about to, I'm going to do everything it takes to, to be this faithful person. And before he became a Christian, the word of God says that he was a Benjamin of Benjamin's. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He knew the word. He studied underneath the greatest teachers, and then he says, everything I had is rubbish now compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. And even in the very beginning when he fell off his horse, and friends, for us to really truly be saved, all of us have to fall off our, our horse, if you will. We all have to fall, fall off that thing that, that we thought we knew, that self-sufficiency that we are are taught as independent Americans and we have to surrender and we have to see the light. And so Paul was blinded for a moment. And in Acts chapter nine, we see this attached to Saul's divine calling were the Lord's words to Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Friends, suffering is part of the call of every Christian. If we want Ohio for Jesus, it's going to take sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, there will be suffering. This is what Paul says about how to suffer well and how to uh, make that suffering lead to a deeper understanding of the crisis. Just two verses in Philippians Chapter 3 that he really breaks this down. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And friends, too many of us are trying to follow Christ without picking up our cross too many of us are trying to receive the benefits of the resurrection without laying down our lives and surrendering to Jesus and so I want to break just this verse down the the process of attaining resurrection the process of attaining eternal life here number one there has to be a desire to know him can you say to know him There has to be a desire to know him, that I may know him, that I may be fully acquainted with his nature, with his character, with his work, with salvation, with sanctification, with the process of becoming like him, that I may know him, that I may know him. It should be the highest goal, the highest aim of every person who claims to be a Christian is to know him, to know Jesus, to make him our best friend, our savior, our Lord, our everything to know him, to not just go to him in an emergency, but to really, really know him. And my, my, question for for you and my question for myself today is what do we truly want to know him do you desire him above all else above all else is he the the greatest desire of your heart or do we allow worries and fears to choke out the life of God do we allow the cares of this world to distract us from going after him do we allow our flesh to constantly deceive us? Do we allow the enemy to constantly kill, steal, and destroy what God wants to give us? Or do we truly desire to know him? Because if so, then you're going you're to look at suffering differently. And you're going to realize there is purpose in your pain. My personal mission statement that I've had for years is to know Christ and to make him known. And I know I didn't really make that up. I'm sure I heard that from somewhere. But isn't that the aim of of us as Christians is to know him and to make him known. And so if you want to have that eternal life, if you really want to experience the power of his resurrection, then we need to have first that desire. And my prayer today is that God will grow that desire in all of us. Secondly, if you want to attain eternal life, then you must experience the power of his resurrection. And that's called redemption, friends. (laughs) That's when we are born again, when God saves our soul, when we make that decision that we don't want to live just like how we used to, but now we're a new creature in Christ. That is the power of resurrection. When the old has passed away and behold, all things are new. That is the power of resurrection. Uh, It's not just salvation. That's the beginning. You know, it's when we are born again, it's like we are baby Christians, but God doesn't want just uh, a nursery. He wants us to mature into full adulthood, full maturity in him. He says, as newborn babies crave the spiritual milk, but we need to move from milk to meat. We need to move from just being fed to feeding others, friends. And God wants us to mature in him. But unfortunately, many Christians stop at just salvation. They're never really mature in their faith or become disciples. We've, we've done teachings on that here not too long ago of, of what it takes to go from being a baby Christian to being a mature believer from just making God savior to making Jesus Lord as well. You know, uh, an illustration that the Lord gave me is there's been many times that Josh and I have counseled new newlyweds or engaged people who are getting ready to get married. And sometimes um, in that season of their life. They're so focused on the wedding that they're putting all the energy and, and preparation into the wedding day that they forget to put any um, time and resources and energy into their marriage, which is a lot longer than a wedding day. And so I always encourage people when 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 Josh and I do um, Marriage counseling, I say, hey, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do some pre-marriage counseling because that's so important, right? But what I want you to do so that you're not embarrassed now, let's set up a time for after you've been married for three months to meet again, then six months, then nine months. Let's, let's have a time where we, that you know that within the first year of your marriage that you want to meet with us three more times because that's when you're going to really need it you know? And, uh, very few people actually have done that with us. And, uh, we've seen the results of that in some of them, you know? And so I want to encourage all of us like that as new believers, you go through this time and it's like, it's like a honeymoon period when you first get born again and everything is sunshine and roses and everything is awesome because God doesn't give us too much at at, all at once. But then as you're in this thing for a little longer, we sometimes need that help, that mentorship, that counseling, that uh, and the Holy Spirit will do that for us. But friends, oftentimes the Holy Spirit will, will use other more mature believers in our life to help us through that. And so don't get in that place where you're only focused um, that, that you stop after salvation because there's so much more sanctification is a process is a big word, right? That means to be set apart and to be holy. And it doesn't happen overnight is a process. And so let's not just be born again, but let's be born again, maturing Christians in the Lord growing up, you know, and I know as a, as a parent and anyone else in here, that's a parent. We love babies, of course, but no one wants their teenager to still be a baby. No one wants their young adult Child to still be a baby. We want to see our kids grow and and become mature adults contributing to society. God wants to see us grow in our faith and become mature Christians contributing to his church and to the world. Amen. Hebrews 6 says it this way. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. And of faith in God. Let's move on to the deeper things of the Lord. Amen. And so if you want to know God. If you want to uh, know the secret of knowing God. It is this last point here. Okay. Lastly, if you want to attain eternal life. Then you must understand the fellowship in his sufferings. Fellowship in his sufferings. This is the missing ingredient in the American gospel. Right here. This is the missing ingredient. This is the partaking of Christ's sufferings, the conformity to his death, the taking up the cross, the being crucified with Christ, the it, as stressed through the New Testament, we see it in 1 Peter 4:13, Romans 8:17, 2 Corinthians 1:5, Colossians 1 uh, 24, 2 Timothy 2:11, and probably a lot more. It was expected that every Christian should suffer as a result of their faith. Indeed, there was a proverb that's, or a saying, faithful saying, the scripture says, that says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. 2 Timothy 2.12. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Friends, it's bad theology to think that you can have the gospel without suffering. It really is. The fact, suffering is a part of human experience. It's a part of human experience and allowed by God, although not a part of his original plan. The fall of man opened the door for suffering in this world. But there is a place that we can be one day with Jesus where there will be no more suffering, no more death, no more tears. But we have to endure this life. Good, faithful soldiers of Christ before we get there. And in this life, there is trouble and there is heartache. And Paul learned that suffering was a secret of knowing God in a deeper way. And friends, we must learn this too. Elizabeth Elliot, who was the wife of uh, Jim Elliott, who was a missionary who was martyred, I believe, back in the 50s. Says, it has a book and a saying that's it's this, your suffering is never for nothing. Never for nothing. There's benefits of suffering. I'm going to share quickly just a few of them with you today. We're wrapping up here. It says, benefits of our suffering. Well, suffering can get our attention. Suffering can get our attention. Allow God to show his power. When you suffer, God can show his power. Test our integrity. Look at Job. Produce perseverance and character, grow and mature us in Jesus, become more Christ-like suffering, become more Christ-like, advance his kingdom. It was suffering that advanced the kingdom through Paul. God is with us in our suffering. Sometimes we feel all alone, but in those times of suffering when no one else can really understand, even if they've gone through similar situations, we can really lean on God in that time. Provide discipline. Remove selfishness and pride. Suffering builds our faith. Suffering will help serve us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we received in our time of suffering. It can change our focus from earthly things to heavenly things. Suffering can turn even rebels and backsliders back to God. How many of you came to Christ In a crisis and sufferings, I did. Suffering can also, we can attain a greater reward in heaven through our sufferings. Friends, if you have been in a season of suffering, you're not alone. Many of us have. And you're not alone because Christ is there with us. I wish I would have written this down, but it's just coming to me now. I remember as a small uh, girl, my grandma had a favorite um, poem, and it was called F- Footprints. I would encourage you guys to look that up later. And the basis of the story is that, is that, um, the, that they were, there was footprints walking in the sand, and there was two. It was, it was the person and God. And then there was a time that there was only one, and, and it was in that time that they were going through the hardest time of their life. And and the person in the the poem, uh, you know, asked, well, where are you, God? Why is there only one footprint? And God reminded that he was carrying her or him during that time. And that is so true, friends. Sometimes we feel like we are in this alone, but we don't realize how much his grace is carrying us through this sufferings. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to end with just one verse. And this verse is a verse that the Lord has, I have been meditating on and memorizing in this season that I've been going through, and it's found in Psalms 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Father God, with our heads bowed, Lord God, with our eyes closed as we are surrendering to you right now, Lord. God, I thank you for reminding us that there is purpose in our pain. God, I thank you for reminding us, even though we don't necessarily like it, it's not fun. That, God, there are benefits to our suffering, that we get to know you more, that we can't have the power of your resurrection without the sharing and the fellowship of your suffering. And, God, I pray even now, Lord Jesus, that you would help us have an eternal mindset, that our eyes would be fixed and focused on you. If you're in this place right now and you've just been through a a time that you feel like you've really just been struggling and and maybe you've been in a place where you've been questioning God and asking why, God, why? Maybe you've been in a time of just desperation or discouragement, depression, even worry, anxiety. You've been suffering with loss, pain in your body and you just need God's special touch today. Would you just raise your hand? You don't have to come up here. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. so many of us I want to speak a special prayer God can touch you right where you're at right where you're at father God I thank you that there is purpose in their suffering God I thank you that you love them and God though they may feel alone remind them like the woman who was walking on the beach and there was just one set of footprints and she wondered where you went Lord that you are lifting them up and that you are carrying them through this season God, I pray, Lord God, that they would get to know you more than ever before, Lord, that their their mindset would be shifted from earthly things to heavenly things, that they would be so fixed and focused on you, the author, perfecter of their faith, that for the joy set before you, you did endure the cross, you suffered for us. God, would you help us, Lord God, when we want to complain, God, that these light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs everything we're going through. God, that you would remind us that there is a crown awaiting us, Lord God, that when we endure these hardships and the troubles of this world, that we can take heart because you have overcome them all and because we are in you, that we too will be overcomers in you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, God, I thank you for the prophetic words that went out today. God, I just believe there's some in here that are looking, um, God, for not just a home in you, but a church home. Lord, I pray you would bring confirmation to them today. God, I pray there are those in here that are praying for wayward children. God, I pray, Lord God, that, and grandchildren, God, I pray, Lord God, that you would show them, you hear their prayers, you see them when they're crying by themselves. There are those who are dealing with loss and pain in here today, God, that you would show them, Lord God, that you love them. God, there's those in here who are still dealing with hurt and pain, that they feel like, I should be over it, but God, you are showing them, Lord God, you are showing them how to grieve well. You are showing them, Lord God, blessed are those who mourn. God, that you will bring peace, Lord God, that they will receive the fullness of Christ. God, I thank you, Lord God, for taking us deeper. We don't want to be surface Christians anymore. Forgive us, Lord God, for believing all these false teachings over these last several decades, Lord God. We repent, Lord God, of the the prosperity gospel, Lord God. We repent. Lord God of the attractional model, Lord God. And God, we say we want the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to pick up our cross and follow you. God, if those if there is someone in here today that has not made that decision to follow you, God, even now, Lord, would you pierce the heart that you would show them? If you're in this place, I just want to take a little bit more time. If you're in this place and either you have not confessed with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord ever, or maybe you need to come back to him and, and get right again. Would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Maybe you just need to reconnect with him again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord. I want to end with this. Say, Father God, repeat after me, Father God, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose on the third day, that he sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, I ask you into my heart, forgive me of my sins, help me live for you all the days of my life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. He's so good.